Welcome to Movies, Movies, Movies on Mornings with Bridie Tanner. <laughs> Today we're joined by Film Lord Ange. Hello. Good morning. And special guest Film Lord Selena. Hey. And the thing that you both have in common, apart from being longtime FBI volunteers, is that you're also brother and sister. That's right. So, so this is a first. Parents in common. Parents yes, in common. in common. Uh, now, Selena, you are a producer for Audiocraft. You used to be the EP of All the Best here at FBI 94.5, and you spent five, ta- five years volunteering for the station, and you're now on the board. So it's really exciting. And you're now on Movies, Movies, Movies. And you're now on Movies, Movies, Movies. And I've really come to extraordinary heights here. Yes, <laughs> Is this a promotion? <laughs> it's an honour, really. Um, yeah, I've been a volunteer here for about five years. Still going strong. And the entire time that I've been here, I've been wanting you to come to the show. And I'm actually really excited to have my other fanning with me. You're definitely Dakota Fanning, and I'm definitely Elle Fanning. I'm well aware that I'm Dakota Fanning, <laughs> to your Elle Fanning. <laughs> Are you a bit of a film buff yourself, Selena? Uh Yes, by normal standards, but in the in the context of my family, probably the least film buffy, would you say, compared to oh, I feel like I'm under pressure right Andre now. Oh and, and our parents. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to prove myself today. Excellent. Well, later in the show, we're talking to someone from the Japanese Film Festival who's going to be telling you what you can catch. It's running until Sunday at Event Cinemas George, so there's plenty of movies to get along and see, and we have double passes to any that stand out to you as ones that you might particularly like. And we're asking you to text to win one of these double passes, what's your favourite Japanese movie or movie that's set in Japan that isn't Lost in Translation? Because running gag of my entire L is that Lost in Translation is my favourite Japanese movie, but it's not Japanese, it's just set in Japan. I didn't like it. You didn't like it. You and everyone else, that's totally fine. I'm a it lone It needs a second drug. watch. It does. It, it can't be liked on the first watch. I didn't even get through one watch. Uh, I see, reckon I Well, there's a problem, Brady. Well, just don't look into it because there's weird backstory behind it. Anyway, moving on, let's we move on. We won't get into that. Uh, Simone, though, who is an FBI supporter, texts in saying, Kiki's Home Delivery Service, gorgeous film for all ages. As a mum, I love watching it and reflecting on my daughter growing up. Uh, part of the canon of Japanese films with the meals in the title. <laughs> Are you texting? Uh, not um, a film with a meal in the title, but a film that is from Japan or set in Japan to 0409 945 945 with your name or your supporter number and you could be winning one of these double passes. Movie news. But before we get to any of that, let's look at what's happening in the world of cinema news, starting with this 90s superstar. Selena. That's right. Not the only Selena we have here today. Selena Shannon joins us for Movies, Movies, Movies. So tell us what's been happening. So in music movie news, which we love, uh, Selena Quintanilla, uh, Netflix uh, moment... Huge scale production show about uh, the Latin female artist who was huge in the 90s. JLo played her in a movie that was massive back in the day. Is coming to Netflix and it's getting hype, but it's got a lead star from The Walking Dead, which is a TV show I know nothing about. So I guess what this means for me is that I'm going to get to learn two new things, which is more about Selena and more about The Walking Dead. And the trailer looks really beautiful. It has this kind of Rosalia music video kind of vibe. It's like fake fake shot on film, but also could maybe be shot on film. I don't know. Check it out. Just type in Selena into your YouTube bar. And it's a biopic about her life. That's right, yeah. And it's not, it's not the first one, because the one that came out in the 90s, which 
you and I obsessively watched as children. And just found out that I actually can't even remember watching it, but apparently watched it numerous times as kids. Because she shares my name. So when I was a young child, I, w- I was really into the movie. And it's it was J-Lo's breakout movie and as she, well. She, it was also, there are certain, you know, different records that have been beat. But one of the records that was famous at the time was J-Lo being paid a million dollars. And it was the biggest starting salary for a first-time actress in a film. But that's in Kinyol. She'd never done anything on film. And they gave her a check. For a million dollars. That's some bad baby shit right there. I went there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, now, on a more serious note, if you've ever imagined what life would be like living as an LGBT person in a country that prohibits it, this is something that's been happening in the country of Georgia right now in film news. Yeah, so Georgia is that country that's perched near Russia and Armenia. Um, And radical homophobic groups in the country of Georgia have tried to silence the premiere of its first ever LGBT film. So the movie is by a director called Levin Akin, and it's called And Then We Danced. And it's been described as, quote, a very beautiful film. (laughs) Um, Ultra conservatives in Georgia have threatened attendees of the premiere, despite the film generating a fair amount of Oscar buzz and quickly selling all 5,000 tickets to the screening in the capital city of Tbilisi. I just love that. I love when there's like an LGBT moment that is like being destroyed by conservatives and they end up selling like thousands of tickets that everyone wants to go to. It's just, to me, it's just beautiful, but also... Deeply upsetting for the population of Georgia. Yeah, but it just goes to show how film is an outlet for people in marginalised communities and the ability to go and watch films and experience, you know, a reflection of your life on the big screen is so important. So hopefully they all get into that cinema yeah. without any violence or any trouble caused by the Conservatives. And the film's been been lauded overseas. It went to MIF this year. It was extremely well-received at Cannes. And it just goes to show that, you know, you, you make these controversial films in your home country, then you take them elsewhere and then you learn to bring them home where it's a bit more dangerous. So So the movie's called And Then We Danced, if you want to do any more research on that one. Now, if you caught Movies, Movies, Movies last week, you might remember during two reviews, Andre, I believe it was you, reviewed the new High music video. What's been in the news about this one? You described it as emotional. Mm, That's right, that's right. Uh, So PTA, the director, who I said was a New York director, but that's only because he went to NYU for two days. He's actually a Californian director. And PTA stands for Paul Thomas Anderson. Thank you, Bridie. And uh, recent uh, tax uh, information has been released about which filmmakers are getting tax breaks in California. And it's pointed to the fact that PTA's new film is officially happening. And he's going to be returning to some material that he explored in the 90s, the porn industry. So PTA was famous for making Boogie Nights in 1997, where Mark Wahlberg pulls out his dong on camera. It's this long fake dick, I had to say it. And, I remember. Uh, and then some 20, help me out with the maths, 23, 22 years later, he's got this new film. There are no, uh, not much information about it, but we know that it's going to be set in a high school, maybe some high school porn happening. I probably shouldn't say that. And we're all very excited for it. And I want to ask yourself, what's your favourite PTA film on the spot? <laughs> I've literally never even seen Boogie Nights. I'd, Which I'm I'm realizing now I should. There's a really good film that has Amy Adams in it that you think you'd like. So okay. pa- so Paul Thomas Anderson from Boogie Nights fame is now making another movie about porn. Mm. Did you say something about tax breaks? Yeah, so basically like there's public information about which creative industries are getting tax breaks and and, and people just notice that Paul Thomas Anderson is shooting a film and getting tax breaks from California. So everyone's like, oh, so that must be an, a film coming. So everyone's getting excited. Ah, it's that's basically, the giveaway. It's people just getting nosy about what productions are happening and wanting to be like, there's a new PTA coming out. We just want more video clips. Uh, give us another <laughs> Heim video clip. So uh, let's uh, go to a track now. Uh, those We're getting into two reviews. 
after this song from King Princess Holy. And no music videos will be reviewed this week, but we will be talking about the new Charlie's Angels film and Ford versus Ferrari, which I am very disinterested to see. Getting a lot of people texting their favourite Japanese movies or movies that are set in Japan in order to win a double pass to the Japanese Film Festival. That's coming up towards the end of Movies, Movies, Movies. You're on FBI 94.5. Mornings. Language warning. You're on Movies, 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 FBI 94.5. And just quickly, we're going to go to a text here about Boogie Nights. We were talking about Paul Thomas Anderson directing a new film. Someone says it was the best film of the 80s and speculating that the stand-in for the infamous D shot was uh, a stand-in, not a real D. Anj, your thoughts? Truth. Yeah, that's the T. It was. It's a very obvious dildo. It's. There is no <laughs> way humanly possible that anyone can look that way. And you can quote me on that. Let's move on. One. No, no, no. Two reviews. Two reviews. Give me more reviews. Two reviews. Two reviews. Two reviews. Two reviews. Okay, so it's been 20 years since the uh, infamous and famous Charlie's Angels movie came out in the early noughties. I can't believe that's nearly two decades old and they've made another one. Of course, there was also the 70s TV show, which I've never seen. But we like to joke that the 2000s ones were the originals. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, for our generation. Fully. Surely. Uh, So today, the Charlie's Angels movie that's just come out is getting the two review service. Let's take a listen to a moment from the trailer. How'd that feel? Because it looked like it felt... Really good. That felt nice. Here we go! I think women can do anything. Good morning, angels. Good morning, Charlie. Mm. A modern twist on an old, old classic. Charlie's Angels with uh, Kristen Stewart. That's right, yeah. Uh, (laughs) I'm embarrassed. Are you guys ready to get red-pilled? Get off the baby! Get off the babysitter, Daddy. Was how Lucy Liu came out of the cargo box in Charlie's Angels Two Full Throttle. She like flicks her hair and runs. It was fucking awesome. And uh, anyway, this mil- this new one is just summertime sadness uh, in a whole ugly, gosh, long, goddamn despising. I can't even look at it. Fashion Nova Fest. It's this collection of new angels who don't really feel like friends, but people who are like together for some weird assignment. And uh, it's, I don't know, there's just nothing about Charlie's Angels that feels uh, like less inspiring than just, <sighs> guys, I'm nervous because uh, this movie's bad. It's truly bad. It's a train wreck. It just looks like Fashion Nova and ASOS and like sprinkly sparkly. And honestly, Ari has too much power, too much score in this film, too much like uh, obnoxious, like uh, posturing of like female this, female empowerment that with like this really tacky long montage at the beginning of like gals, you know, achieving things like skipping ropes and skateboarding. And for me, the best moment was uh, when the ladies are training at the end and jumping out of a huge plane skydiving to the Lanaverse in Don't Call Me Angel. So this movie is stripped of hardcore music. It's not Destiny's Child. It's not Pink. It's this weird in-between. And it's also kind of low budget for a blockbuster. Do we blame Elizabeth Banks? And Case 2 is also amazing. And that's all I'm going to say because I could shit on it for a long time and I'm going to stop. Help I, me out, Cell. I, I, I mean, yeah, Cells. Um, look, I pretty wholesale hated this movie. Mm. Um, I, I, 
definitely wanted to like it and was open to liking it, and I just thought it was pretty cringy the whole way through. Um, the female empowerment stuff was really heavy-handed in a, in a way that made me really doubt the messaging behind it. Like, that montage you mentioned at the beginning of, like, young girls skateboarding aggressively to, and, you know, women skiing. And, mm. like, I found that it's like, we get it, women can play sports. Totally, but it, totally. The, the dialogue was really cringy. The jokes were really... Um, uh, like not very clever or or fast paced. A lot of it felt really laboured. Mm. I think the popularity of Charlie's Angels, the two thousand and one version, was that it had something for everyone. Like you could chuck it on in a sleepover, and the mum and dad could watch, and everyone would get a laugh. There's action. There's kind of a sexy feminist vibe. My thinking is, have they not done a good enough job of updating this for 2019 audiences? Well, to me, it kind of felt like they went backwards in that, like, the if you rewatch the original 2001, 2003 Charlie's Angels today, they it, it's it's aged like milk. Like, it's so bad to watch now. <laughs> it's so... Oh, I disagree. Unco- I no, it's like so it's- uncomfortable. And... But at least it had this ironic self-awareness where they really, like, lent into it in a hammed-up way and all the, like, sexualization of the angels was really funny and self-aware and ironic and intentionally hammed up. Mm. Whereas in this one, it's super earnest and in its, like, female empowerment message. Kind of that cringe. Mm. Yes, I found it so cringy. It was so... Also, can I just quickly interject with my least favourite scene in the whole movie, which is when they awkwardly take Patrick Stewart's character as Bosley and they show, uh, like, a... Oh my gosh, like I know sh- the, yeah. They, they, they basically show like his past and his past career at the Charlie's Angels spy agency and they photoshopped his face into all these photos from the original movies. So it's like him hanging with like Cameron Diaz and Drew Barrymore. Yeah, in the, they anyway. did like a highlights reel of his Bosley career and they'd photoshopped his face into like stills from the old movies and it was so bad. Yeah, truly really bad. Charlie's Angels, in a word, what would you give it? Oh, Fashion Nova, that's what I think. Selena? Oh, I also give a word. Um, I really just can't look past the cringe of it. I found it cringy. And it made me really sad. I love Christian Stewart. It made me really sad that she was kind of the comic relief character. And also because she's huge in art house European films. So for her to like go back and do this like cheap, lame blockbuster, it's like, just stick it out with those. You're better co- than this. You're better than this. Just in case the producers weren't able to catch all those words, what would you give it in a word, Selena? Oh, God, what did I say? I said cringy. Cringy, cringy. Cringy's yeah, my cringy. word. Okay. <laughs> Selena, Shannon is our guest film lord today. Andre, Shannon also here. That was two reviews, which you can find back at the Instagram at movies, underscore movies, underscore movies, underscore we've still got one more to get to let's talk now about the film that I am least likely to go out and buy a ticket to this year Ford versus Ferrari let's take a listen to the trailer and see what it's all about and that's it folks Ferrari wins the 24 hours of the Mon for the fifth consecutive year Mr. Ford Ferrari has a message for you sir what did he say? He said Ford makes ugly little cars and in ugly factories. And uh, God, you fat, sir. Okay. Now, was this as cringe as Charlie's Angel, Selena? No way. I, I didn't mind this film. Like my, my, my review's kind of brutal, but ultimately I, I enjoyed the film. Um, so Ford versus Ferrari, as you could probably tell from the trailer, is the story of a bruised male ego willing to spend copious amounts of money to win what is essentially 
a dick measuring contest. Um, the stakes in this film were not super compelling for me. Um, I found it really hard to root for the success of a huge power-hungry corporation in duty po- post-war America. Like, <laughs> I just don't know who's watching this and is like rooting for Ford. Um, it was it it was a really duty film. Um, to, to break up the male mono- monotony of monotony of the movie, um, there were two female characters: the wife. <laughs> Who I didn't mind. She was okay. She had a good, a, played a good role at, of explaining the film to the audience as it, as it went. Um, and then the other female character was the race car, <laughs> who they referred to as a she a lot. So you have the wife, you have the race car. I never saw the two of them interact. So technically, the film doesn't pass the Bechdel test. Oh. Um, but despite all this, I still had a, a no strings attached enjoyment of the film. Um, pretty much from beginning to end. Like there, there was a lot to hate about it, but um, I was never bored. Um, I didn't quite like it as much as other racing films I've seen, such like, as like Rush, um, which came out a couple of years ago, or Senna, which is a documentary about the '80s F1 driver. I think it was the '80s. Oh my God, Selena, you have so much information <laughs> about cars right now. Brian and I, the are Formula just One documentary. Because in this movie, the racing scenes were just so brilliantly shot and choreographed, and you get this really visceral feeling of being a passenger in the race car, and it's really Sexy. erotic. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> no, no. I'm joking. It, it was a bit nauseating, but it was really fun because you're you're sort of like you have this like POV experience of being on the racetrack, and you really feel it in your body. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I quite I quite enjoyed it. You've just nailed it for me. Honestly, those car racing scenes are like energy-inducing, energizing. And it made me wonder, why is there so much information about cars and not that much racing? Because the racing comes very very much at the end, I think. Um, yeah, there were a lot of like boardroom scenes it internally at Ford. That was the weird thing about this movie. It's called Ford versus Ferrari. Um, but Ferrari barely features in this movie. It's kind of Ford versus Ford. Like, all the narrative tension is that happens internally at the company. Um, it's like the height of post-war American manufacturing and from the start Ford is like this ginormous multinational with all the money and all the power it needs to win this race and it seems like the only thing holding them back from instantly annihilating Ferrari is their own poor understanding of how car racing works because they hadn't ever really gone into it that hard until this Ford versus Ferrari feud. Okay, so in a word, give it to me. Wow, I've said it a lot, but post-war really jumps out at me. <laughs> it just had that kind of energy of, like, we're all men, America at its peak, do it for yeah, the company. we survived. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this was wowzer to me. Wowzer. Wowzer. That was two reviews. And when we come back, we're talking to the programmer of the Japanese Film Festival and giving away those double passes. So keep your texts coming in for your favourite Japanese festival or movie set in Japan, and you could be heading along with a mate. Remember, you must be a supporter. Get your text in to 0409-945-945. We'll be announcing those winners real soon. What's happening? Sydney Spotlight. This week, the Japanese Film Festival takes over Event George and it's running through till Sunday. Right now, we have the programmer in the studio. Welcome, Simone Garan. Thanks for coming in. Now tell us what's hot this year at the Japanese Film Festival. What are you the most keen to see? Um, well, a few because the festival's already started. There's a few that have gotten away um, from us, but coming up is um, a film called A Girl Missing, which is uh, a bit of a slow burn thriller in like typical Japanese 
cinematic style. Um, the director is uh, Koji Fukada, um, and he's teamed up with um, actor Mariko Tsutsui again to do this film. They were um, previously, I think we showed a film in 2016 or 17 that they did, Harmonium, which did really well. I was at the Q&A for Serbians of the Cape mm. yesterday, and it was packed. There were there's like a frothing audience for the Japanese Film Festival. Yeah, it's it's huge. It's one of the biggest Japanese film festivals in the world. Really? Yeah. Whoa, why did that surprise <laughs> me? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so for someone who doesn't know that much about Japanese yeah. film, what are some of the what are some of the key things that people really love about watching Japanese cinema? I mean, it's very broad. So and our audience is the demographic is very broad. You know, you have a lot of people coming in for the popular culture elements. So obviously anime, anything that has like a, um, an adaptation of like a manga or, an, or a novel is often really popular. But then you have all the classic cinema as well, like the classic uh, Japanese program that we do, uh, as well as anything that's got like a very star-studded cast. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's super broad. People love Japanese dramas. That's like a big popular one too. I feel yeah. like shots of Japan are always just a, a huge element of a, of a film set in Japan for me. Like just looking at it as a country is so visually pleasing. Yeah, definitely. Are, are there any movies on the uh, on the bill that you can think of that have some some great movie, uh, moments cinematically? Definitely. Well, A Girl Missing, I would say, definitely has that. Siblings of the Cape last night as well. Um, shows like another sort of side to um, the Japanese landscape, I think. What would you say to someone who has seen Lost in Translation and that's <laughs> the extent of their Japanese cinema uh, knowledge? I would say uh, to maybe broaden your <laughs> <laughs> knowledge enough. of Japanese cinema. I think a lot of people do, you know, from a Western audience, do come to um, Japanese cinema and Japanese culture in general with quite a on-the-surface point of view, and I do think that Japanese cinema is a great way to learn more about the culture and very different nuances and, like, different aspects of the culture, like the dark side of it, the, I don't know, like the landscape, as you said, there's the period um, element, so, yeah, and yeah. contemporary music, and all that stuff. Japanese cinema's having a moment. I mean, the Shoplifters last year was huge. Yeah, it was huge. I, I, I mean, I think... I think Japanese cinema has always had a moment. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, I mean, I think that... Uh, the, 50 years ago, there were, you know, all these huge, huge directors, um, the big names, obviously, like Ozu and um, Kurosawa. But there's a lot of uh, Japanese directors who I think now are doing something really different to that and trying to maybe move away from that style as well, which is really interesting. We've been uh, talking about Japanese film because the festival is at Event Cinemas George until next Sunday. Get along, find a, a, a film that you maybe wouldn't otherwise get to see in, uh, in, in your normal cinema-going experience and learn a little bit more about Japanese culture through cinema. Thank you so much for coming in today and telling us more about that, Simone Garan. <laughs> Thank you. And we are giving away a double pass to the Japanese Film Festival. Anything you want to see, we're asking you to text in your favourite Japanese movie or movie set in Japan, can't be lost in translation, and you must be an FBI supporter to um, win. We already had someone text in my favourite Japanese movie, which is Woman in the Dune. Oh, amazing Dune, Dunes. Dunes. So good. Based on a novel as well. Creepy, long, everything you want, sand in your feet. That's amazing. <laughs> that was from David who said, it's a 64 weird avant-garde film with many levels of intrigue. Love that description. We're going to be reading a few more of these answers out in a second and giving away the winning double pass to one lucky FBI supporter. Thank you so much, Andre, for coming in for Movies, Movies. 
Movies Movies and special guest film lord Selena Shannon. Thanks. We'll catch you back here same time next Monday, 10.10, for more Movies Movies Movies. For more on the Japanese Film Festival, just head to the program page on fbiradio.com. This podcast is produced by FBI Radio in Sydney. Find more at fbiradio.com slash podcasts.